0: Where can you catch all 150 Pokemon? On your Game Boy, that's
1: where. Pokemon for Game Boy is here. With both packs, you can catch them all. (laughs)
2: Hello and welcome to Laps Gamer Radio. I'm your host Mark Hamer and this is your weekly Laps News update for the week commencing July 18th. Tonight we'll chatter a little bit about the games we've been playing recently and we'll touch on a couple of news stories and we've also got a few questions from our listeners. On today's episode I'm joined by regular LGR team members Andy and Ali and joining us tonight from the excellent Codec Moments podcast is Andy Brown. Good evening gentlemen. Hello.
3: Hello. Evening.
2: So Andy do you want to introduce yourself?
3: Well, hi, hello. My name is Andy Brown. I'm one of the co-hosts of the Codec Moments podcast, which is the podcast of CodecMoments.com. Uh, it's called the Codec Call. So um, here's my blatant plug: if you're uh, you're out there and you fancy another gaming podcast to uh, complement this nicely, please go and check us out on iTunes. I brought that's last blatant plug for at least half an hour. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm a, a long-time listener and first-time caller. <laughs>
2: Here, do you want to tell us uh, a little bit about your gaming habits then? Whether you're a lapsed or a not lapsed gamer, what sort of games you like to play?
3: I am a sporadic gamer. I probably read more about games than I actually get to play them, and that's because I have a two year old.
2: Uh. Uh, she's
3: fabulous, absolutely brilliant, hilarious, uh, but she does eat into
2: pretty much all of the gaming time that I used to have. <laughs> Bloody children. I know. <laughs> So uh, what sort of, what's your sort of go-to game then when you do get a chance to play?
3: My go-to game, uh, I think, oh goodness, what a great question. Um, I've really been enjoying uh, Rainbow Six Siege, mm. uh, Okay. Uh, especially well, we've got a, a group of friends who play that regularly, so that's, uh, that's been a lot of fun, that's been keeping my interest since last year when it was out. Mm. Uh, but also Hitman, I'm loving Hitman. Um, the return to form of the of the latest game after Absolution is is just fab, really yeah. good. So that's, um, and it's good for bite sized chunks of gaming. Which as a dad, you you get more of those than you do lengthy sessions.
2: What platform are you playing? So no Witcher, no, yeah, no Witcher.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh god, can you imagine?
3: I'm 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 dreading I'm dreading what's going to happen when Skyrim gets released on PS4. To be honest, because I've I've never played it and I've always wanted to. So oh um,
0: dear, bye I, bye life. Yeah, yeah.
3: I have a feeling that come <laughs> come December, somebody's going to report me missing.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's a choice. It's either the yeah. kid or Skyrim. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa, Jesus, dude, that sounds really final.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Probably is. Yeah. Uh, what platform are you playing Rainbow Six Siege, John?
3: I'm playing on PlayStation Four, uh, as I am ooh. Hitman. But oh dear, sorry.
2: No, 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 um, no. That's good. Like because I've oh like, it is. Yeah, because like it's—I know it's a game that if I wanted to pick up, I'd have to have a community of people to play with, and I don't really know anyone else. Who, anyone else who's got it on PS4? But I was a huge fan of, um, of Rainbow Six Vegas and Vegas 2. Um, I used to love playing those games, especially like you know split-screen co-op, a terrorist hunt mode. Um, and I, it's, when when the six, uh, when Siege came out, I really, really wanted to play it, but I didn't know anyone else who was getting it. So I was like, well, I'm not going to buy it and play with randoms on the internet. So if now I know there's people who are playing it. I might have to look out next time it's on sale.
1: I'm exactly the same as you. Um, yeah. I played it at, at Eurogamer. Uh, a few of us got together, and it was quite towards the end of the show, and we managed to have a few rounds, and a team left, so we quickly ran to some other consoles. And it was awesome fun. But you need to be able to communicate a little bit like, there I say, Overwatch. Um, mm. But you need that even more so. You need that team. Oh, um, way more so. And the reason yeah. why I haven't brought it is because I don't want to buy it, play it with a mate for a couple of days, and then he gets on board now. And then yeah. you're stuffed. <laughs> so, yeah.
3: Yeah, you do You do need people that you can communicate with and, and people that you know is, is even better. I mean, but we Matt and I play quite a bit of it together and with two people it's good you can do the terrorist hunts um, which are a kind of co-op mode quite nicely anything more complicated than that some of the defense modes and the hostage extractions with two people gets a little bit hairy and a little bit complicated yeah Um, with four people it's an absolute blast it's brilliant because you you start to strategize and we we we, i've said this I think before in our own podcast but we had four people in a match the other night we did a hostage extraction and god we were vaguely competent you know we, there's, one of us has grabbed the hostage the other one is, is um, leading him out with a shield and then there's two of us bringing up the rear just providing suppressing support it, it was awesome really good fun
1: Oh, I might have to look out for that then. Yeah, it's recently been on sale as well, which is a little bit gutting, I think. <laughs> yeah. You could, I think, I think <laughs>
3: yeah. you can pick it up, if you look in the right places now, for about 20 quid. And it is an absolute steal at that price.
2: Yeah, I'm pretty sure I've seen uh, cheap copies of it in CEX and then decided against it because I, I didn't think I'd have anyone to play with. But yeah, I might have to look into that now. Right, so we've had some uh, listener questions in. Uh, we've had a couple in from Colm Sheridan, who you heard on the uh, last episode we released, the... Uh, Uh, Uncharted Golden Abyss special Uh, his uh, Twitter handle is at Psalm67 and his first question is what's your favourite handheld console and why and um, some of the other guys are recording a a special episode separate from this where they talk about handheld consoles we thought we'll get in on the game as well so um, (laughs) who wants to start us off, no takers (laughs) (laughs) I'll pick one now (laughs) not me, on the guest (laughs) Um, Ali, Ali, you go first
1: um (laughs) Oh, my favourite handheld. It would probably have to be the uh, Nintendo DS, purely because that's the one I owned. Um, I did have a a traditional Game Boy, uh, as they were, um, but that was borrowed to me uh, from a friend um, to play the original Pokemon, which, again, is another podcast. Um, (laughs) But uh, but yeah, so that was the one I owned. I think I brought it in in America uh, when I went to Florida quite a few years back, not long after they first came out. Uh, me and my mate were there, so we decided to go in, buy them, and played Mario Kart for hours on uh, the uh, the link that you could do um, on those. Because I think, did they have wireless on them as well? Um, so we were playing Mario Kart for, for quite a significant amount of time um, on that. And then Pokemon Diamond, I think it was. Um, so that was the one I've put quite a lot of time into. Um, but I've managed to play quite a few of the, the others that are around and about, apart from the Vita, which will probably be my next purchase at some point. Um, But yeah, so uh, it would be the the DS for me, the original DS. I went along
2: to the... the midnight launch of the DS. at uh, uh, the game in Leicester. I was at, I was there at un, uh, university at the time, and uh, one of my friends there was like he pre-ordered a DS because he was a big big fan of Nintendo animals. I wasn't particularly interested in myself, but he dragged me along. It's the only time I've ever been to a midnight launch of a console, um, which was kind of interesting. And he got it with um, I can't which Metroid it was. Um, it was like a, a first, but one of the first-person Metroid games where like you control the look using the um, stylus on the on, on one screen. Uh, yeah. And then he got WarioWare Touched, and WarioWare Touched is incredible. It's one of the most fun little like mini-game sort of game collections I've ever played. Uh, and Nintendo the the best at making those, but that's one of the best ones I've ever played. The DS was a was a cracking little console. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved it. Yeah,
1: it's great. I never had one myself, unfortunately. But now onto the 2DS. Now decided to go for the 2DS rather than the, the 3DS mm. because although the screen's bigger, especially on the XL, um, I'll just turn it off because it just annoy me and probably give me a migraine. Well, the so actual I'm, I'm 3D effects.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's it's more of a gimmick than anything else. It's kind of cool yeah. for a while, and then like it starts to make your eyes hurt. Yeah. Uh, Andy Brown.
3: Well, my oh, my handheld console history was uh, the original Game Boy, um, and then a. Uh, a long break from that in the handheld market. I never went in for the the DS or anything. And um, about seven years ago, I picked up a PSP Go. Okay.
2: Oh, the little tiny, was like was slide The ones. little tiny
3: yeah. one with the yeah with the uh, with the storage for for games that you could download. download, online. download. So, um Yeah, it that, that was good. That was good. But um, I picked up a 2DS a while ago, which was great because I could play Ocarina of Time on it yeah. and. I probably haven't used it to its full potential if I'm honest even worse because I I exchanged it for a new 3DS um, which I really haven't used to its full potential Mm. Um, but for me I've got a real love-hate relationship with the Vita (laughs) Um, I was a day one adopter of the Vita I wanted it to be as good as they said it was going to be Mm. and let's be blunt it it isn't and they kept saying it would be even better when PS4 came along and it still isn't they've only just sorted out the remote play so it's possible. um But I do love it, and the reason I really love it and the reason I would put it above pretty much all other things is that I can play um, Metal Gear Solid 2 and Metal Gear Solid 3 on it. (laughs) Why not? (laughs) (laughs)
2: Um,
3: And Peace Walker, of course, which is actually a PSP game. But, I mean, the handheld versions of those have seen me through many a business trip.
1: I'd love to know why they've never remastered or re-released the first Metal Gear Solid.
3: Oh, please. If they do that in the new engine, I would just... I'd die. That's that's not
1: going to happen unless they make the a tinko
2: machine. It's not going to no. happen.
0: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately. Handy uh, P. Um, for me, the first handheld was the Game Gear. Oh wow! wow. You know, wow. We all f- thirty uh, minutes of
2: battery life that it had.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but sick. you could play Sonic on yeah. it. That's
3: amazing.
2: But that colour screen just oh, ate no, batteries, could, didn't it? It did. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I actually get a TV adapter for it as well. Oh, nice! Oh. <laughs> so it looked like it's you know with those big um, antenna sticking out from the back of it. Oh yeah, it? I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I had that. It was my first one. Then I moved to the PSP, and I really did enjoy that. It was really good. Mm. But then the Vita. It has to be the Vita. The little console that could. You know, keeps trying, keeps getting all these exclusive games. Um, play is just about anything You know, I know you talk about remote player just being fixed but you know it's one of these consoles that if they got the um, PSN now right it, you just take it anywhere mm. the screen's absolutely stunning mm. you know the OLED one the first edition yeah, yeah it's
3: something just, special that isn't
0: yeah it? it's gorgeous oh, yeah it is absolutely amazing and I think that's the one for me but probably at the moment I'm really enjoying it is not outside the mainstream ones is a, something called the JXD. It's an Android handheld device. Um, it basically, emulates any sort of game. So I mean, it's got controls at the side, um, buttons, twin sticks, and I'm just loving that at the moment. Um. So I didn't have a
2: Game Boy when they first came out. I didn't get one until the Game Boy Advance, uh, and then didn't get another handheld again for a long time. Um, Picked up a 3DS, like the first gen 3DS, and absolutely loved it. Uh, But then about a year or so after I got that, I ended up picking up a Vita. And um, couldn't justify having two handheld systems. I, I wasn't playing enough to warrant having two handheld systems. So I ended up selling the 3DS, which has been bit of a regret ever since. Um, so now I've just got the Vita. and I, See, I absolutely love the Vita. Uh, it has got some problems, but I think it's it's a great system. I think it's got some incredible games. It's got Persona 4 Golden, which is the best version of, in my opinion, the best ever JRPG. Oh, man, I,
3: yeah. I lost 50 hours of my life
2: to that game in the first week. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Um, and uh, I've only really bought a handful of games for it. I bought that, I bought Tearaway, and I've bought... Um, a few like old PS1 games, PS1 classics that have that ported over to it, so like Final Fantasy 7, 8, 9, the HD uh, remaster of 10 and 10 2, and then Metal Gear Solid 1, so that now I've got digital. Uh, well, I've got access to without having to dig out old consoles, I've got access to every single um, Metal Gear game, mainline Metal Gear game. I don't have like Metal Gear Acid and things like that, but um with the like the the number of free games that they give away and the number of games that I End up like uh, interesting indie games that I'll buy on my PS4 that then turn out to be cross play and cross save and cross buy on the, the Vita as well. Uh, the the catalog I've got for it is immense without actually having bought that many games. Like if you've got PS Plus and you've already got uh, PS3 or PS4 or both, then the Vita just makes sense because the the, the sheer number of free games you get every every month.
3: PS Plus has been really kind to the. Visa. It has.
2: Uh, otherwise, I don't think you could justify having one because the catalog of like games that are worth buying um, hasn't been massive. Hasn't been great. Um, they kind of they've been ignoring it for years. I mean, at the last E3, I don't think they even mentioned it, did they? No, no. They didn't even get no. a mention. No. Um, the guys that made uh, the Drinkbox Studios, the guys that made um, Guacamelee uh, brought out a Vita-only game recently and I don't remember seeing any press or anything for it at all, it just kind of slipped out the door silently um, so they've kind of left it to die which is a shame because mm. it is, it's an amazing little handheld, it's just not enough people bought it which is, yeah
0: yeah. It's, it's one of those from the old Sony, wouldn't you say? Yeah I mean, had it come out... F- with the PS4, it would have been totally different. they probably got rid of the proprietary cards it uses, and probably just use a standard SD card. Oh God, that
2: would be great. Yeah, those would be cheaper. Yeah, those memory cards are incredibly expensive. I know they're supposed to be faster than SD, but they're they're incredibly expensive. Yeah. for What they are? Um, oh, the Sony own brand. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah you know, the Magic yeah. Gate or whatever they're called. Um, yeah, I use um, the remote play as well sometimes for playing... I mean, it's the latency issues means that you can't really play something like Resogun or anything that needs um, really fast input, uh, really fast reactions. And it's terrible for playing first-person shooters because those sticks are a little bit too small and fiddly, uh, unless the game has been designed from the ground up like uh, Killzone Mercenary was. But if, for instance, like uh, if you want to play Destiny, on remote play and just like go out and knock out a few simple bounties or something like that. They've actually Bungie did a really good job of of deliberately customizing the controls when you're playing remote play so that it makes sense using those controls, uh, using that controller so they've mapped things to um, the D-pad and to the the, the corners of the touch screen on the front. Um, So some developers do actually make use of remote play but most of them just kind of ignore that it exists which is a bit of a shame. Okay, moving on to columns next question. He says, after the quiz show, have any of you got a hankering to play Sonic? I'll answer first and say no, absolutely not, never. No, not me. No. Never. Uh,
1: yeah. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. I've um, I brought an um, Amazon Fire TV on the Prime uh, day deals, um, and as part of that, you can actually pair up a PS4 controller with it, and it was a pound or something for the original uh, Sonic. <laughs> Uh, my wife really loves it, so I thought I'd uh, I'd download it for her. and had a little game; it's, it's actually quite good. <laughs> but yeah, it only lasted about five minutes for me.
2: <laughs> I hate Sonic for the, the, the old two two uh, D games. Like, it's not. I don't think it's anything to do with the fact that I grew up with playing with the Nintendo consoles because I was around people who had. Sega consoles, and I, I played a fair bit of Sonic. I just never got into it, and never saw the attraction. And it it hasn't that, aged well. Was that
3: yet. console racism there? Did you just say some of my best friends had Master <laughs> systems?
2: <laughs> no, no, not at all. <laughs> no, no, because because like they had some incredible games on those systems. I just never got Sonic. I, just, I don't think they I don't think they're good games. I don't think they're good platforms. They they substituted. Um, good level design, in my opinion, for just raw speed, um, and I just never enjoyed them, and I'd have, I have no intention of playing any of them now.
3: Yeah, it was it was it was new and it was novel when it came out, and it was that's what gave it such a following, in, in my opinion. I was a I was a Sega fanboy when I was little, and I I love for some reason I love Sonic the Hedgehog too because I've got a soft spot for Tails, and I don't know why.
2: <laughs> but. <laughs> but it was it was always pegged as like Sonic is the edgy alternative to Mario, but. I'd rather just play any Mario game than Sonic.
3: True. Any plumber that wanders around smashing in mushrooms, is that's edgy. <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> when you think about it, he is a bigger mass murderer than Nathan Drake. But, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, next question is from Stuart Cullen uh, at FuryAC3 on Twitter. Our very own Stuart Cullen, although sometimes we wish he wasn't. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I joke, we love him. Um, and he says, uh, supplements to help you game. Would you take any, or are these high-caffeine products just modern-day digital di- witch doctors? Anyone got any thoughts on gaming supplements?
1: Yeah, it's a load of bullshit. Yeah, my my, my thoughts exactly. Uh, you, <sighs> for me you get enough of adrenaline rush playing the games Mm -hmm. if you're doing an all-nighter you've got a wonderful thing called coffee yes you don't need special supplements it's if you're working out at a gym you have protein which helps repair muscles and blah, blah 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 and there's a lot of people that don't believe in it or do believe in it whatever each to their own but supplements to help your game is just ridiculous i mean they'd have to be approved as well if it was you know like you'd go down the whole ufc route of making each sure other approved for these guys that take them if they're they're doing some of the um official gaming i forget the name the name of the leagues and stuff mlg um yeah mlg people and stuff like that and it, it's just like a load of crap mm-hmm. it's just a cheap way of people going oh drink this and you'll get to level 100 10 times quicker than everyone else yeah and then you'll have a heart attack. Lovely.
3: Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, I, I actually do have a master's degree in forensics. and uh, Sorry, no, I, what I do. Um, I've got a master's degree in toxicology, uh, chemistry and toxicology. Um, and I will say that 200 milligrams of caffeine is the equivalent of four Pro Plus tablets. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it will put undue stress on your cardiovascular system. Yeah. It's not a great idea.
2: No. No. I mean, I will admit, when I was at uni... Um, on transfer deadline day, sometimes I'd go downstairs, put my, set my laptop up, put Sky Sports News on, and just chain drink cans of Red Bull and eat Haribo and play Football Manager all day. But that's the closest I've ever come to
1: taking supplements to, to game. But that's not a supplement to me; it's something <laughs> to aid the body, like cod liver oil, yeah, like Haribo, your joints. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, oh yeah. Don't uh, we're we'll not getting down this road because I'll get myself worked up. <laughs>
3: Yeah, winners don't do drugs.
2: You see a lot of these things now, like that st- you can get like deodorant for your hands in case they get too sweaty when you're oh. gripping a controller, and and things like that. And it's just like, come on, it's it's video games. Nobody takes them this seriously. Really, like, you don't see anyone uh, like at the top tier of like Street Fighter Evo or people playing uh, League of Legends or Dota at the top levels. Um, taking supplements and wearing special gloves and deodorising their hands and things like that—it's—it's it's utter nonsense. Yeah.
3: I could understand you if you're a professional free climber wanting to use talc. There's yes. some, you know, yes. there's some peril involved. Yeah. But yeah, no, you're right. It's—it's it's games. Let's enjoy it. Let's have a bit of fun. Let's not worry about how slippery our hands yeah.
1: are. Yeah. You know. you're not going to get anything from it either. But. What <laughs> <laughs> yeah sponsorship Whoa. deals
2: yeah if if red bull and, and haribo want to sponsor me for another all-day football manager session then i'm open
1: it's a little bit different <laughs> my
3: my next game of rainbow six siege is going to be sponsored by imperial leather
1: Tank. oh yeah
2: bless you <laughs> classy okay so moving on to what we've been playing over the last uh, week or two uh andy brown do you want to start us off as you're the guest Okay,
3: well, as I mentioned earlier, I've uh, been playing a fair bit of Rainbow Six Siege with uh, some friends of mine. That's been really good fun. Uh, I've also played uh, a bit of Hitman, uh, some of the escalations, and I played the um, the the elusive contract, the elusive target, the latest was one recently. The, the twins, the twin, yeah.
2: Oh, the twin, yes. Yeah, twin twin one, yeah. singular,
3: yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. if you hurt the brother, it's yeah, that's bad news. Yeah.
2: Is it instant game over if you kill the wrong one? Yes. Oh wow, wow, that's harsh. Because usually it's like if you if you if you get caught or if you die, I think then it's game over. But yeah, I I, I played through this one. And luckily, didn't kill the wrong one, so I did all right on this one. But yeah, it was an interesting little wrinkle in the elusive targets uh, system because it's up till now it's just been. Singular targets so that you have to hunt out and then work out how to kill. But this one, you had to hunt them out, work out how to kill them, and then make sure that you were killing the right one.
3: It was a nice added level of complexity, and I think having played the escalations, mm. that seems to be where they're going. They're adding little tricks here and there to keep people interested and to um, to make things just a little bit different. And this was a nice, one, especially the fact that they kept changing position in relation to each other, so you couldn't you couldn't kind of guess. Oh well, it's it's always the guy in front, so I'm going to take him mm. out. Um, and it's it, it was a nice it was a nice touch. I, I did it, I killed the right guy, I did it with absolutely no subtlety, um, <laughs> in a very public place yeah. and all of his bodyguards shot me to death. So I am not a shining example of how it should be done.
2: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> And it was it was really difficult as well because like the only thing you could that, that told the two apart was one of them was wearing a, a gold wristwatch that you could just see poking out from underneath his like jacket sleeve. Which meant that you could only tell which one was the right one when you were up close. Oh my god,
3: I, I am in my mid thirties, uh, and I have got a six year old television screen. Um, so I was I was pressed up, my nose was up against the screen trying to tell whether this guy had a watch on or not and um, I'm trying to I'm trying to use it as leverage to get a new TV approved by my wife it's not going well
1: I do love how the Square are really helping well not helping the game but thinking about different things to keep you going while you're waiting for the next episode for those guys that have brought into the whole episode um, idea rather than waiting for the whole package Mm. And I just think it's great that you've got loads of different modes and loads of different replay value on each level to keep you going. Yeah. And then on top of that, they go, oh, here you go, here's a, a contract for X amount of time. And it puts that added pressure on you and you kind of like normally, I think I'm a little bit like Andy and probably yourself, Mark, where we're sussing everything out, and right, we'll do this, do this, or oh, that didn't work. Right, I'll restart. Whereas with the elusive targets, is you've got to commit to a plan, mm. do it, and if you do it wrong, that's it, game over. Yeah, um, which is which is really good.
3: Uh, well, speaking of adding adding content and keeping people interested, the they've also announced there's going to be summer bonus episodes for Hitman, uh, which are released tomorrow. Ooh, ah. Uh, so they're going to be a new mission set in Sapienza, uh, which is where basically Forty Seven's got to take somebody out during the filming of a, a science fiction movie <laughs> um, and there's a couple of screenshots on the hitman website and it does look pretty awesome actually uh, and there's another one set in marrakesh at nighttime as well okay. uh, where you take out a, a businessman doing a dodgy deal so it's nice that they're not only going to be showing us some uh, some new kind of well i think there's going to be new assets um New elements to uh, the levels that we already know, but also the fact that they're playing about with the day-night cycle. Yeah, mm.
2: yeah. I'm just having a look at some screenshots now. It appears that the movie shoot's going to be at night as well.
3: So I think it's called the icon. That yeah. one, and then the um, the one in Marrakesh is called a house built on sand.
2: Yeah, yeah. I like the fact that they're. Th- they keep on giving you reasons to come back, uh, uh, like between the the elusive targets and the escalations and the challenges to take out uh, the targets in particular ways. Like one of my favourite ones so far is um, taking out the general in the Marrakesh level by luring him into a room uh, with a hole in the ceiling and then kicking a toilet <laughs> onto his head. Um, yeah, it's it's I. Was uh, a little bit apprehensive before the game came out because I wasn't sure about the episodic um, nature of the way it was being released. But once I got into playing it, and I realised that this is, you know, this is how Hitman should should always have been. This is classic Hitman. This is like bl- it's it's like Blood Money, but even better, because Blood Money had the same sort of thing. Here's a giant sandbox, starting location, you target, and how you take them out is completely up to you. But once you'd worked out how to do it, there wasn't any real reason to go back, apart from just playing around in the levels. But this one just keeps on giving you more and more and more things to do. And the fact that it'll give you a level and then you've got to wait a month or two for the next level to come out means that you've, you've got a, a reason to just explore the level in its entirety and find everything there is to do in it, in every single way there is to take out the target. And find little toys and uh, like things like using the exploding golf ball in the Sapienza level. <laughs> um, so that the guy goes out to, to to tee off and hits an exploding golf ball and dies and just loads of little ways to play around in the level that it, it just encourages you to have fun
3: yeah you're right it's the it's the little snippets in the mastery and the challenges that really get your mind thinking oh so what have I got to do for that mm. and yeah the the replayability is there I'll be honest I've, I've always been a supporter of the episodic release of this because I've, I've always thought Hitman mm. would be a good game to do episodically yeah 'Cause of the nature of the, the levels.
1: It works well with the with the nature of the actual game as well, that each level is, is like a contract. So it's like, right, okay, Agent forty seven, here's your next contract, you're off to Sapienza or um Marrakesh or wherever. And then yeah. there you go, these are your missions and while you're here you've got these different bits to do. So it it works well, whereas some of them are possibly a, a cop out for lazy developing maybe. It um, does
3: but if you look at um if you look at the previous Hitman games as well, so Contracts and Blood Money, mm-hmm. that whilst there's a loose episodic thread, oh sorry, not episodic thread, whilst there's a loose theme running through them and narrative, the levels are all very varied in different locations, different targets, different things to do, and it was that real change in Absolution that made it, you know, a narrative-driven story mm. that for me was really turned me off yeah. the game Absolution. Likewise. Absolution, don't get me wrong. Was a brilliant game, really good game. Uh, bits of it were, but it wasn't a good Hitman game.
2: I, I, I still think the bits of that level were utter garbage. Uh, there was the odd level in that that was that was classic Hitman, like the, uh, the is it the King of Chinatown? I think that's what the that level was called. Yeah, that was that was great. That yeah, was a classic and, um, Hitman level. You got a starting location and a target and just a giant playground in which to just work out how to, to complete your your objective. But there, too many of them were sort of like. Hitman is the hunter. Hitman's not supposed to be the one who's being hunted.
3: No, yeah. exactly. You felt you felt like you were on the run for the whole game, and like, yeah. and that that's my feeling. Is it was a good game, but it wasn't a good Hitman. No, game. No, no. Um, and this is this has brought it back. But I'll be honest with the first release being Paris. After having played the the boat section and the um, uh, the what you call it the Russian airbase to mm. death in the beta, really just getting Paris in that first little drop i was a bit disappointed because i think paris is the weakest of the levels Mm -hmm. and it wasn't until sapienza came out that i thought yeah this is actually going to be something special yeah yeah
2: and marrakesh after that as well is is incredible like the 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 the, like the 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 variation between the busy marketplace and then like the uh protest going on outside the swedish embassy and everything um that's a, that's another incredible level. I've got really high hopes for where this game is going. It's gone. I've gone from being yeah. really apprehensive about it to thinking this is probably the best Hitman game. And with the benefit of hindsight, yes, it was perfect to be worked in an episodic model.
3: I'm really looking forward to the um, to the summer bonus tomorrow in Sapienza because it says there's going to be a hundred foot mechanical killer robot in the middle of the town square. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, I hope we get to play with that. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> cool. Uh what else have you been playing then?
3: Um okay, well I have been on holiday, which is nice. So um but it's it's meant my gaming time has been a bit limited, so it's been mobile and I've been playing Fallout Shelter.
2: Oh, wow, you're still playing that.
3: I went back to uh-huh. it. I haven't played it f- I haven't played it since about a month after it was launched, and I thought, Do you know what? I'll go back and have another go. And My first effort was horrific, it was awful I didn't have enough energy, I didn't have enough water I didn't have enough food um, and then rad roaches attacked and, and killed pretty much all my vault dwellers except for one poor guy and two kids oh. um, and it was horrific I got a screen grab of this one guy trying to make water um, and the narrative of it was just he's trying to make water for the two surviving children <laughs> and then I, I thought you know what, I'm going to start another vault and never go back to that one hmm. um so I did and that one's gone much better and now this week coincidentally they've um, patched it they've uh, done a new update and you can go on quests and you can actually go into
2: other vaults and explore the wasteland and it's brilliant yeah they announced some of this stuff at E3 didn't they they were patching yeah. in some more bits and pieces and they're also porting it to PC as well
3: it's it's just great and um, I, I was chatting with Matt about this yesterday so this is probably going to duplicate some of my own podcasts but you know <laughs> we'll, we'll just have to have a race as to who publishes first um <laughs> But he, um, his suggestion was, imagine with the whole... You can now build vaults with the um, with the DLC oh, we're going to get for Fallout 4. Yeah. <laughs> Crossover.
1: Yeah. That'd be awesome. Manage a vault while what you're can
3: Yeah, exactly. What if we can build a vault in Fallout Shelter and then actually go into it in Fallout 4?
2: Ooh, that, yeah, I don't know if... Wild, I don't know if wild speculation. Wild speculation, yeah. They haven't said anything to that effect, but... Um, Oh, yeah, I might have to go back to that because I I played it furiously for about a month or so after it first came out, and then got real bored and uh, ended up uninstalling it. I haven't gone back to it since. But they've made some new changes. I might have to reinstall it again and give it another try. Have you actually In- bought any of the, you know, the in-game lunch boxes or anything like that? Have you pitched any money to them, or are you just playing it strictly as a free game?
3: I'll be honest. When I when I put it on, i I've played it solely as a as a free game mm. up until um, when I reinstalled it a week or so ago when I was on holiday. It was, um, it coincided with the uh, anniversary of the release. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all the lunchboxes and everything were half price. So I thought, do you know what? I'm going to chuck him a couple of quid because I have enjoyed this game. Yeah. And um, I've had a few. And... Uh, I wouldn't say they were game changing um, and the thing I like about it actually is that I've hardly opened any of them. You can play the game quite happily without buying any additional content, yeah. but it's, it's there as a bonus if you want it.
2: Yeah, I, I think I read somewhere a while ago about how much money they were raking in and they're making enough money for you not to have to worry about chipping the developers a bit of money. They're doing fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like such a fool. Four-
3: <laughs> <laughs> okay, the last game was um, really just to see what all the fuss was about. I downloaded Pokemon Go.
2: Yay! Um, to the club. And
3: I have been I have been wandering around my local neighbourhood. Mm-hmm. Um, Seeing seeing a few sites, checking out you know the local poker stocks. <laughs> sounds a bit sordid when you put it like that. <laughs> um, checking out the gyms. Mm. Uh, the the downside is I've got an iPhone six plus and I uh, I'm helping test you know iOS ten. Mm-hmm. So the gyroscopic function of my phone isn't working properly with the game, so I haven't been able to use the AR properly uh, on that but I do it's
2: just a gimmick a, a, to be honest yeah, yeah a company,
3: I, a company I work with had a phone yeah. so I put it on there and um, I've tried it out and I'll be honest when I'm out and about I turn it off anyway because I don't want to be the guy stood in the middle of the field waving his phone around. yeah
2: it lo- you look really conspicuous like it's it's obvious that you're playing that a uh, Pokemon Go if you've got the AR on and you're suddenly stopping your tracks and you're waving your phone around to try and aim at whatever you're trying to
3: it's either that or I've gone back in time to the late 90s and I'm trying to get sick yeah (laughs) yeah. Um, but I'll be honest I'm not I've not really done that much with it I I hit level 5 and I thought yeah I can go and take on a gym and then I was like yeah but I'd I'd have to walk all the way down to the local church and that might be a bit weird at this time (laughs) so maybe maybe I won't do that just yet so perhaps I'm I'm not as taken with it as a lot of people but what I like about it is um I like that a lot of the poker stops and things in this area um, are interesting landmarks that perhaps you might have walked past and, and missed otherwise. Yeah. Um, I like that it's it's trying to engage people with, you know, culturally interesting stuff. Uh,
1: one thing Not that's, always appropriately. One thing that's really surprised me about it with, with the poker stops is stuff that that I didn't even know was there. But then I, d- I don't know where the guys are that make the game. I presume they're possibly in Japan or America or wherever. Are there. Uh, ah, I think the they're American. They know they it's,
2: yeah, it's, it's, like, it's all pulled it's from Google Maps data because they're at least part owned by uh, Google. Um, right. That and, makes more sense. Yeah, it pulls Google. I'm sure I read an article uh, the other day about how um, when it. When it launched in America, um, like the, the amount like the, the amount of people that were playing it at one time and the amount of money that it was pulling in, it was something like 1.6 million dollars a day, just in America that it was pulling in, in microtransactions. But at, at one point uh, during one day, during like peak times, there were more people using the Google using uh, Pokemon Go, which pulls Google Maps information, than were actually using Google Maps, at that point, which is just bonkers. Um, yeah, it just pulls information from Google Maps because, like, that's nice, how you've that ended up with like the Holocaust Museum being a poker stop, and and yeah, right, aren't like there that. like three
3: poker stops in the Holocaust Museum?
2: Yeah, it's because it's just like um, you know, interesting historical landmarks, and so like, um, yeah. so where I live uh, in Kettering. Um, up like in the, the like five minutes walk from from my flat is quite an old part of town It's uh, near where I work So it's like the council offices used to be the town hall a long time ago So that's a poker stop, and there's like a little fountain in the garden and There's a war memorial and an old museum and an art gallery and the corn exchange and the corn market hall and things like that And they're all just sort of like Kettering landmarks And so they're all either poker stops or Pokemon gyms and it just pulls the information from um, directly from Google Maps So they don't really. It's yeah, because they they, there's absolutely no way they would have been able to program every single one of these in because there's there's hundreds and hundreds of thousands of them.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, it's an it's an interesting little game. Um, We'll talk a little bit more about that on on another episode. Um, We'll touch a little bit on it again later later in this episode as well. But yeah, it's um, it's become an overnight cultural
1: phenomenon. Ali, do you want to do your games? Recently, um, being probably the only Xbox player on the podcast, (laughs) uh, this particular one, uh, Forza, I'm a big racing fan, uh, they released uh, a DLC pack out of the blue uh, called Turn 10 Select. So Turn 10 have selected a a random bunch of cars for us uh, to race, uh, coming in at just under £6. And you get one, two, three, four, five six or seven cars hmm. um for your money which isn't too bad uh you get a i'll just quickly rattle through them while i've got them on screen uh, you get a 2014 jaguar uh it's a gt3 uh xk um so that's quite nice it's a it's an not an old school shape but it's one that they use in the the gt3 racing uh you've got the, the this was really bizarre i've seen them racing but they'd like to add in bizarre cars. Um, it's actually a truck, which is the Mercedes-Benz uh, 2015 racing truck, uh, which has got 10 gears, so it takes you a while to get your head around that one. <laughs> um, they've put in one of the WTCC cars, uh, which is the Chevrolet uh, Roller. and We've got the uh, Fiat uh, 124 Sport Spider from 1980. Uh, you've got a 2015 McLaren 570S Coupe. Uh, the Ford Brawler Hawk 3 uh, which is a really old school um, open cockpit single seater Indy 500 uh, style game from 1969 uh, you've got uh, the strangest car I've ever raced which is a BMW Isetta I think it is 300 export from 1975 which is the bubble car that opens up from the front and oh, it's got two yeah. tiny wheels at the back it's, it's nuts one of those I've cars tuned with up a motorbike engine yes yeah, yeah. yeah um and it does wheelies and stuff dead easy and it's a nightmare to handle <laughs> um and that's it for the pack uh, so that's that's all three of them so i've been uh, messing around with them and tuning them up a little bit mm. um i've not played a lot of forza recently i've put an insane amount of hours onto the game and tuning and racing and different things um but i just thought i'd give this a go and uh, on my youtube channel i do some Tuning for the cars and a bit of racing, so I thought I'd jump back on there and do a little bit of that. As, um, so a, um, as,
2: as a big Forza fan, are you excited at all about um, Gran Turismo Sport that's yes. supposed to be out this year? supposed October, to. October, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Because it's um, been yes. a long time since we had a. Well, what was the last one was on PS3, um, just after the PS4 came out. They don't come out very often, but that was always like. The, the Forza started out as like the, the big sort of. Um, the big rival to the Gran Turismo series.
1: Uh yeah, well it actually started out as uh, Project Cars, uh, Project Gotham Racing. Yeah. Um and then and then went to the Forza series. If I'm honest, it's it's uh, Gran Turismo where my my love for motor racing games started. Mm. Um and it'd be great to get back to that. They've been a bit hit and miss, but then again so sort of the Forza games. Yeah. Um and now I've got a, a PS4 and uh, it's definitely a game I really want to purchase because to be fair, I think the PlayStation users have been Screwed over in terms of a racing sim, because mm. um, the nearest thing to it is Project Cars, which these days is a hell of a lot better. Yeah. Uh, but when that launched, oh, that got God, was a bag of shite. Launched, yeah. yeah. Which is really disappointing because it was for, it was made kind of by by Racers Four Racers, whatever they call it, and it's really good now. And it had some really good ideas, but yeah, it fell at we, the wayside. Um, we'd-
3: so just, just to um, add some kind of context to the Project Cars thing, we did an interview at the codec call with an actual racing driver yeah. who uses Project Cars um, to get her sightlines and braking points down huh. um, before she goes to the actual tracks for real to race them. And she's worked with the developers um, to provide feedback. She says, actually, oh, wow. the tracks are really, really good. Mm. You yeah. Know, you, you see something there on the game and it's there in real life. And yeah. the physics is actually pretty good as well. The cars handle the guys really well.
1: are, The guys at Project Cars have put a phenomenal effort in. I just they're think they, s- they're they seriously punched a bit too hard.
3: Yeah. Mm. yeah, Yeah, I, I would think so. But I think Project Cars 2 is going to be something yeah. phenomenal. So I
1: think even um, Lewis Hamilton's brother Nick uh, does a lot of racing for them. And Ben Collins, the old Stig, is also yeah. part of their team. Um, so, I mean, to be fair, Project Cars is really good. I really enjoy it, especially because I've got a wheel and, and everything for my Xbox, um, it's it's great fun. And I play with no assists um, and no driving line or anything. So it's, I'd love to get on, because Donington's my local track, so I'd love to get on it for real in a car and just see how good I am in a real car compared to a sim. Um, especially after racing drives actually do it as well. Probably won't be anywhere near the top, but it'd just be nice to see how I get on, but yeah.
3: That'd be an awesome experiment. Well, we're yeah, getting
1: yeah. Um, in August this year as well,
2: apparently, um, the uh, Xbox One and PS4 releases of Assetto Corsa, that sort of like super hardcore PC racing sim as well. It's supposed to be, um, <clears throat> yes, like the, the cutting edge of like uh, of racing simulations. So, uh, there's this. I wouldn't say cutting edge, but yeah,
1: yeah, it's it looks good. I've not got it on my PC. Well, there's another um, one as
2: well, isn't there? There's another PC. Um, sim game that has like actual seasons and like proper racing oh, i racing like, yeah 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 That's that is well. that is
1: unbelievably hard game because hmm. you start off in mx5s um and then you go through the different ranks and you have to you have to be clean so if someone hits you or you hit someone you get points taken off your license Oof. and if you cut a corner um but then also if you finish the race you get points and those points you can't buy it's literally just from constantly driving and then once you rank up your license, you then go on to um, another uh, type of racing. So you probably go from the MX-5s into a maybe a, a quite a small, not GT3, but more of a sporty kind of car. And there's also um, a bit of NASCAR uh, racing on it. So it's, yeah, it's, it's quite good. It's just you have to dedicate time to it because it's a, a paid-for service as well. Yeah. So it's something like 4 to £8 pounds a month. Uh, so the next game I've been playing um, moving on is F1 2015 <laughs> uh, staying on the, the racing um, it was £12.50 on the Xbox One uh, summer sale um, I missed it a few months back when it was about that price so I thought why not let's give it a go um, and it's awesome, <laughs> I'm really enjoying it um, I've put it onto Elite so I've got no assists whatsoever again which I know is insanely crazy yeah. <laughs> Um but after, after a couple of laps, I'm not spinning out the corners, and I managed a 131, I think it was, at Silverstone, mm. um, which isn't too bad. Uh, it got me in like the top 1,000, okay. um, so that's without any tuning wow. and stuff on it, um, and, like I say, no assists. And it's just getting your braking points and things down, but mm. it's hard. I've not tried it on my controller, so I can't really say what it's like on there, but it's really good fun on the wheel. Um, and the force feedback's really good on that as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, having a go at that. It's, uh, it's Twelve pound fifty one. It's worth a punt. Nice. Um, and then just quickly, just a couple of other ones. I've been playing a bit of Overwatch with hey. yourself, Mark. <laughs> we finally <laughs> managed to uh, a get on for a couple of games. Yeah. Um, and also, I've done my uh, attunement or whatever you, you call it for my first ten matches yep. to get ranked placement matches. Yeah. Which <clears throat> I got higher than Mark. Yeah, yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah. You know, after um, when we were
2: playing together, and then um, my friend uh, Alex came, and we played a few games, and we went on yeah. a four-game losing streak. Yes. Uh, I played three games the next day as well, and lost all of them. I'm now down to like rank 42 or something like that. I've lost like seven wow. games on the bounce.
3: So, <laughs> so for an Overwatch virgin like me, can can you explain the ranking system?
1: Um. How it works, I don't know. <laughs> so <laughs> you win. Well, you're you get basically points, you, for winning and losing. I think it's well,
2: sort of. Well, yeah. So, um, so you play your placement sort of matches, which is like you play ten matches, and then based on both the whether you win or lose those matches, and also your personal um, how well you do in those matches, you get given a score between 1 and 100 and then when you actually start playing ranked matches themselves it'll try and put you in matches with people uh, who have a similar skill rating in um, competitive mode and it'll try and put together two teams with the same average score as well and then if you win then you go up a level uh, and if you lose then you go down a level and that's just basically it, you just keep playing that until the end of the season which is August the 18th I think is when this season ends Um, and then then you start again from scratch on the next season basically
3: so you get 10, 10 placement matches again
2: yeah you have to start 10 placement matches again uh, because like the, uh, the the meta will have changed um, because they keep rebalancing things and, and they'll be you know adding new heroes and new maps and things like that so you'll have to play your placement matches again so that you have like a final score at the end of each season which will be like your final score, your season high, um, and your season low and then that gets wiped and you start again at the the beginning of the next season the same as it is in like um, in seasons in uh, other blizzard uh, games like uh, they have seasons in like um, Starcraft and uh, Diablo 3 and games like that cool thank you
1: yeah I've been doing that Um, I've also been playing a bit of uh, Grand Theft Auto 5 Um, I've uh, finally completed it for the second or third time I've, I've bought that game an insane amount of times because i've got it on the 360 <laughs> uh, i've got it on the pc i've got it on the xbox one and i was almost tempted to buy it on the ps4 the other day <laughs> um but yeah this I, I don't do an awful lot online i did try out some of the new racing which is really good fun mm. um apart from some of the dicks i like to smash off the track because it's suspended x amount of feet in the air uh which is loads of fun but yeah just just really completing the story mode um, trying to get some achievements done for that mm. um, and I just wanted to play something a bit stupid and a bit fun Um I kind of got into one of those moods where I needed to play something that I didn't really matter and if I ran over people or destroyed stuff it was just good fun rather than I need to restart that level because I've accidentally shot a innocent person or whatever Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, been playing that again cool. uh, it's always good fun, mm. got to love a bit of Grand Theft Auto Uh, and then again same as probably everyone else in the world the 47 million other people playing (laughs) Pokemon Go Um, I've got to level 10 I think it is now Um, I took down my first gym today although someone stole it from me and yeah I'll get my revenge where I work (laughs) I work right near Derby County Football Ground at Pride Park Okay. Um, so there's quite a lot of poker stops about on the roundabouts and at the stadium itself Mm. Um, so uh, yeah, I've uh, been doing quite a lot of that Which I'll probably save more info for the for a, a separate podcast um, But yeah, it's good fun It's it's something quite, I say close to my heart because it sounds a bit gay um, But um, it's it's something that I grew up with um, So I, I've always liked Pokemon, I've got a bit of a soft spot for it um, And then on top of that I've picked up my DS again and started playing uh, Pokemon X um, but I completely forgot about how to do all the evolutions and different things that you can do with the Pokemon. Uh, so I actually brought the bank, which you pay £4 for for a year. So I've managed to take all my Pokemon out of the game and then restart my game, and then I can convert them, pull them back into the game. Um, so I'm in the process of, of restarting that so I can remember what the hell I'm supposed to do on that game.
0: And um, start playing that again as well, just for shits and giggles. <laughs> cool. Uh, Andy P., you would be very quiet. Well, I've been... Doing a bit of a cleanup of a few games. So God, you're telling <laughs> me I'm just looking at the list right now. I haven't completed every single one. Some of them I have, some of them <laughs> I haven't. Um but I'll go through them. So the first well, let like I say, the game of my generation as being Shadow of Mordor, and I played the mm-hmm. um extra two DLC main packs. So the first one is called Lord of the Hunt, and in this one you encounter the dwarf hunter who intersects with the star in the main game and he's got a mission for you basically quite similar to the main game but essentially you've got to take down the five orc chieftains who are trying to come in but the difference is they control different types of creatures. So, I mean, it's a good... Um, piece of DLC, it's quite it takes about 3 hours or so to do take them all down Um, it can be quite difficult but essentially it's like the main game so it uses the same sort of um, powers it does introduce a couple of new creatures for you to um, take control you take control of a better, what they call a caragor, so it's a bit faster, Mm. a bit more powerful Um, but yeah I enjoyed that the second piece of DLC was called the Bright Lord and this one's slightly different because in the main game you've got these towers um, dotted around Mordor um, and they're not explained really why these towers are dotted around Mordor and why they're linked to um, Calibrimbor. someone hasn't read the Silmarillion nope, I haven't <laughs> like, I admit I, admit. I, I haven't <laughs> But this explains it, and um, you take control of Kelly Kelly Brimbo, and he's got different um, types of powers. It is the prelude to the main game. Um, He's got different powers, different skills, different weapons. Makes it harder, actually, because certain powers, What I can't remember the Ranger's name, the Ranger, the main character in the main game. Um, made it quite a bit easier this one is it Italian, it, quite Italian it might be I yes. think that's his name but it is harder however the ending to this DLC which probably you would play um, at the conclusion of your whole epic journey through Shadow of Mordor is better than the main game where well, the main game was a cute quick time event this one you're actually fighting Sauron and a bunch of orcs Really difficult, but it actually feels epic and would have been suited to the game a lot more. Mm. So, those two bits of DLC completed. Then I just deleted it off my um, PS4. Have you 100%ed it? Um, 100%ed it. I haven't platinumed it, but I've 100%ed it. Yeah, I need to get back on
2: that because like, like I've said before on, on episodes, I was a huge Tolkien mm. geek growing up uh, and I, I had this game and played about half of it and then dropped off for whatever reason and I can't believe that I haven't gone back and, and finished it so that needs to be put onto the top of my pile of shame so I can go back and actually
1: finish it <laughs>
2: and play the DLC. Yeah, yeah.
1: Same here, it's on my, my pile of shame as well, it's yeah. a fantastic mm. game. Um, I think it was around the time that a lot of games came out as well. Yeah. Um, I think it was like at the, one of the first ones, so everyone jumped on it, and then mm. other things came out.
0: I'm yeah. still surprised cool. that no one's taken control, uh, adaptive the Nemesis system to their games. That's it. Yeah, yeah, like
2: we said, uh, we said before, it would have been something that would have been uh, even if they kept it in-house. Um, it would have uh, a system that would have suited Mad Max perfectly. Mm. Uh, and the only reason I think they didn't put it in those, they must have started pr- production on Mad Max before they'd done, or before they'd finished uh, Shadow of Mordor, possibly. But yeah, I don't know why they haven't put it in any of their games since because it's the Nemesis system is yeah. incredible.
3: I love the idea of it being in a GTA. Game. Yeah, yeah. You just you'd randomly cut up some driver and cause it to crash, and he hunts <laughs> you down later on.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, or oh, Mafia Three, that could have been. I don't know, that might have something similar, I'm not sure. But that would be suited, you know, when you've got revenge Mm. from your little underlings. Um, The other two games are Lego games. Um, One was an epic, one was not so much of an epic. So the epic one, which took me about 35 hours, was Lego Marvel Super Heroes. 100% that yeah, it was 35 hours. It was an excellent. It's an excellent game. It's probably one of the best Lego games. The problem is, I think we were just too much in it. We were just way too much. I mean, you had Peter Parker photos. You had races. You had missions like Chase HQ. Yeah. We were knocking bricks off other cars. You had the Deadpool missions to get the red bricks. You had to rescue Stan Lee fifty times. Um, <laughs> yeah, it. I just i don't know it it almost i did tweet out it was like a rocky fight but at the end of it i just felt like rocky getting beat up but so many times by this lego game but i just had just to push through i mean there was a so it's uh, this kind of overstays its welcome a it bit did just a bit i mean 250 mm. gold bricks you needed
1: uh, that's too much wow see this i i like the lego games and i, and I like lego Um, But I never don't anybody shoot me. But I've never really played any of the other Lego games, even though I wanted to. I just never got around to playing any of them. And the first one I played, I think I got it with my Xbox. It was Lego Marvel Superheroes, and I was just a bit too overwhelmed. And I was just a bit like, really can't be bothered with this. So I've never really played a lot of it. Um, But contrast in that compared to the Star Wars yeah. one it's fantastic and I can see why everyone loves them and I've really got into it um, but yeah I, I agree with it it's a massive game there's so much to do I think they've probably crammed yeah. too much
0: into it I just, I did feel in this one there was a bit too much and like I said just by the end of it I was just like <clears throat> right just get it over and done with and power through yeah. and I did um, I mean like I said trick to every Lego game that I have 100% is to get the red bricks make sure you get your multipliers and make sure you get your Um, Locator ones, because you can locate like gold bricks and locate characters and all that. They're the key to it. Which makes it a lot quicker. Can't imagine playing a Lego game without those cheats activated. (laughs) 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 Um, The other one, surprisingly enough, was really short. Only took 13 hours. 200%. And that was the Lego movie. Only 70 gold bricks this time to collect. Really did power through it and the last three levels... Did seem really short. It seemed like we were on a deadline, but we had to get it out for the Lego Movie. So the first ten levels or something are really quite hefty, quite lengthy, and quite a bit to do. The last three are right, you race through me about half an hour. I was like, whoa! So, but that was a lot of fun. You know, a lot of Lego music, some of the original voice cast of there as well. Just follows the. St- the plot of a movie. The other games have just been piling through, just doing a bit of progression through them. So Transformers Devastation, I've started a lot of fun for that. What's ideal for laps game is just the control system and the graphics and how easy on the eye it is. Um, I know the Turtles games had bad reviews and it's such a shame because based on Transformers Devastation, we really should have pulled it out of the hat for the Turtles, but yeah, loving that. Um, progressed further with Hand of Fate and um, did a level of that it's again ideal for Laps Game it's just a, a card game mixed with um, like a God of War type of thing and did a battle scenario on Civ Rev and the final game I did, Lee um fellow co-host did challenges to complete a game, one game for the 2016 that we haven't Really completed and has started it, and it's Hero Quest. And I've been playing this on the JXD, um, on emulation, and it's i will be playing it on the Spectrum because I did have it on the Spectrum a number of years back. And this is what we'll call um, set in setting the Warhammer universe. Funny enough, it's probably the first universe, um, first Warhammer universe game, and it is based on the board game from the 80s. Anyone remembers that Hero Quest? Nope. Nope. <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> nope. anyway, no, no, no. It's based on a board game, and here it's um, isometric, creep three D. You take control of four characters. You take it in turns, so actually it's a four player game. If you've four people around you, you just pass the um, controller around, and you take control of the elf, wizard, barbarian, dwarf, and basically you go exploring these dungeons. Um, completing missions you can search for traps you can search for gold in each one and then you make your way out of a dungeon Um, the computer itself takes control of the bad guys it's essentially the the games master takes control of the orcs and all that really enjoying it really great music 16 levels to battle through I've already done about 3 so progressing there slowly Um, that's about it
2: Okay, I'll do mine then Um, I'll try and wrap through them because I've had one of those, I've had a couple of weeks where I've played a lot of games. Um, most of them just kind of dabbled in. Um, so, aside from my usual sort of regular Overwatch playing, I, uh, I've played through the first, say, five, maybe six hours of Tokyo Mirage Sessions Sharp FE on the Wii U, which is um, so you know, a giant like 40 to 60 hour long JRPG which is sort of like a uh, crossover between Shin Megami Tensei and Fire Emblem Uh, it's set in um, modern-day Tokyo and it's all about... um when I try and explain this premise it's gonna sound ridiculous so just bear with me. Um, It's set around you know uh, idols the sort of like singing stars in Japan Um, There is like a malevolent force which is trying to steal their performer um, which is their ability to be able to perform Uh, and you have to travel into these dungeons kind of like in Persona uh, and uh, find the the particular mirage that's um, controlling that particular dungeon and and take them out. Um, It's very very much like Persona. It's it's got the same sort of like very colourful aesthetic and lots and lots of J-pop and building relationships between characters, but then it's got a little bit of Fire Emblem thrown in as well. Um, If you've played in the Persona games, it will be very very familiar to you. Uh, I won't. I'll I'll reserve saying uh, too much about it until I've played a little bit more. But so far, I'm I'm really really enjoying that Um, Kerbal Space Program. My uh, yeah the. That the burgeoning ramshackle lapsed gamer space program continues to to rattle along. I'm slowly but surely getting to grips with some of the simpler mechanics. And when I say simple mechanics, I mean getting off the earth, getting to the moon, landing on the moon, and then getting back to Earth from the Moon. That last little bit is causing me a lot of problems. <laughs> like I can get off the Earth and I can get into a stable orbit, get into an orbit around the moon, land on it, fine. Getting off the moon, getting into an orbit around the moon, fine. Then getting back from an orbit around the moon to an orbit around the earth is proving really, really difficult because you're moving from it's simple enough moving from the earth to the moon because you can just it's it's you know the direction that the moon's gonna be you're moving around, you know where to aim to be able to intercept it. Getting back the other way is really difficult. I thought it would be really easy because it's a lot. It's a much bigger target, and you don't have to land. You can just like get into orbit and then let the heat shield take over as it pulls itself back in, and then use the parachutes to land. Um, I'm having a lot of trouble with that, uh, so I'm still learning the basics. Uh, and once I've kind of figured that out, then I'll start the video series um, as I as I do that, and then learn some of the more complicated things like. Getting to um, Mars or, or Duna, as it's called in um, in Kerbal Space Program. My next step, once I've landed on, once I've mastered getting to the Moon and back, is uh, trying to build a, a solar-powered um, Mars rover and getting it to Mars. But yeah, I'm still absolutely loving that, and uh, you know, as a as a big fan of if anything to do with with space, and sort of like a, a failed A-level physics uh, student um, who couldn't get in the head around the numbers. It's, uh, it's, I'm absolutely loving that. I've played the first um, Boss and a Bit of Fury, which is uh, one of the games that came out on PS Plus this month. Uh, it's a really, really interesting game. It's sort of like a cross between a like character action sort of like um, Bayonetta or Devil May Cry um, hack and slashy character action game, but with like uh, bullet hell uh, mechanics as well. Um, and it's just boss fights, like you start off, uh, this character that you're playing as escapes from a prison and you have to fight the, the jailer and then you progress on and you're fighting other bosses, you don't fight any other enemies, you fight a boss and then there's a long segment whilst you walk to the next boss and a weird character talks, tries to explain in very odd terms what is going on in the storyline. Um, it's one of the most stylish games i have ever seen. Like the the soundtrack is incredible, and the visuals are done by the um, the guy behind uh, Afro Samurai. So if you like the art style and that, you know what you're in for. Um, it is brutally, brutally hard. But whenever you mess up and you die, um, it's you never feel cheated by the game. It's similar to something like Dark Souls. Whereas if you cock up, it's absolutely your fault, and you know it's your fault, and you. Try and learn what you did wrong and not do that again next time.
1: Um, Reminds me of Dark Souls. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly the same
2: thing. You basically progress a little bit further each time just by learning from your mistakes. Um, it's a it's a great game, and if you've got a PS4 and PS Plus, then it's free, so absolutely no excuse not to pick it up and give it a go. One of the best game soundtracks I've heard in the last couple of years as well. Um, style of music I don't really like, sort of like synthwave music. It's not something I would usually go out and listen to, but it's really, really good. Um, <clears throat> the next game I've been playing is, uh, I picked up the other day for £6 I think it was, uh, Poly Bridge on uh, Steam, uh, which is just a physics simulator where you have to build a bridge across a river that will support a certain number of vehicles getting across. Uh, simple as that. You have like a 2D drawing and you draw the the, 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 uh, the bridge and then you press the play button and it's. It, goes to like sort of like a poly- polygonal 3d view and then you see the vehicles go across and then more often than not the bridge will collapse under their weight and you'll have to start again um yeah this sounds really like bridge construction i was just about to say the same thing app, and it yeah that i oh man i got so addicted it's to a that very game. very similar game there's a there's a few games around that are, that are like that it's sort of, yeah you have like a um various different materials that you can use and each material can only stretch a certain amount before you have to like a connector point in the next bit as well, uh, but then not only have you got to get the vehicles across, but then in certain levels, there'll also be a boat that's got to come down the river. So you've got to either build over the height of the, the boat or build some sort of like a uh, lever system so that the, the vehicles will go across and the bridge will lift up so that the boat can go through and whatnot. It's a very, very simple game actually really oddly relaxing to play but incredibly difficult as well um you have a very tight budget in which to build the bridge so you can't just go mad and put loads and loads of of struts and things on to make it as strong as possible because you will go over budget and then you can't complete the level um yeah really really good game and you know i think it's 25 percent off on steam at the moment so it's about six pounds down from whatever it was before so really enjoying that um Finally started playing Uncharted 4. When I say started playing. Really f- I've, I've really, I've nearly finished it. Um, that game is incredible. Uh, really, really, really enjoying that. I'll, I'll wait until I f- finish the whole thing because um, I know uh, Kev's played it as well. Uh, have, have any of you guys played Uncharted? Not 4? So nope. um, I'm about halfway through. I think about chapter
1: 15. Yeah.
2: When we've all finished it, maybe we should do like a spoiler cast episode on it as well because. The, the thing the, the thing that's the best thing about the game is the storyline really, um, more so than has been in any other uh, Uncharted game like they learnt a lot uh, Neil Druckmann and, and um, Bruce I can't remember his surname um, the leads from uh, The Last of Us they learnt a lot from what they did in The Last of Us uh, and put it to good work in Uncharted 4. The storyline is incredible. It's some of the greatest facial animations, like subtle facial animations I've ever seen in a game, like conveying like uh, really complex emotions just through very subtle movements in, in, in the characters' faces uh, and some really, really touching moments. That whole scene with um, Nathan and his wife chilling out at home and... Uh, Nathan trying to beat her high score on Crash Bandicoot. Um, Just little scenes like that are just beautiful, and the the sort of thing that hasn't been in an Uncharted game before. Um, Yeah, Uh, apart from that, it's, you know, same old Uncharted. It's it's a great adventure game with probably a little bit too much shooting, but at least this time there's stealth mechanics so that you can be a little bit stealthy rather than having to mow down wave after wave of enemy. Although, to be honest, on a few points, I've gotten a little bit bored of trying to stealth through and just shot them all anyway. Um, but yeah, uh, really really enjoying that game uh, Yeah, playing more Hitman We've talked a little bit about that already uh, Went through and, and did the, the recent elusive target and managed to beat him So I'm, I'm one for three on elusive targets um, I picked up the Banner Saga uh, Which is a game that people have been Telling me to play for a long time Because I'm kind of a fan of like turn based tactical RPGs um, and it was, I think that was down to about £6 as well in the, uh, the latest, uh, PlayStation, uh, sale. Um... It's a it's free on Xbox
1: One. Oh, that's no, second second the end of the, the month. Banner Saga Two. Yeah, it's games of yeah. gold. Oh, is the second Banner,
2: one? Banner Saga Two oh, okay. is free with Games of Gold. Uh, that's still like fifteen pounds or oh, something bad. like that on on PS4. So I'll I'll wait to pick that one up. But yeah, I'm I'm absolutely loving that. The art style is, is beautiful sort of like hand drawn animation. Uh, it's a sort of like a, a mythical Norse tale where. Um, the gods have died, and for some reason, the sun has frozen in the sky. And there's these dark creatures that are emerging from um, from the outskirts of the land, terrorizing the people. And you're leading a caravan across uh, across this mythical world. Um, and it's a, in in between the bits where you're doing like your grid-based, you know, um, turn-based combat, like that's been seen in lots and lots of games, like Disgaea and Final Fantasy Tactics, and games like that. You have this thing where your caravans moving across the uh, across the world and the more people you pick up uh, to join your caravan the more supplies they use and uh, And the less supplies you have, the more likely people are to die in your caravan. And So it's sort of like a mixture of that and resource management as well. And the storyline's really interesting so far. And the world building for what is essentially like a really small little indie game is huge. I spent about 20 minutes uh, or so, probably a bit more the other night, just on the world map, just hovering over um, the different parts of the world map, just reading the lore and the history um, that... You know, doesn't really affect the gameplay at all. It's just a really, really well-written story, and the world-building is, is incredible. Um, thoroughly enjoying that. I haven't played that much of it. I'm only about two hours in, but I'm really, really enjoying that as well. Uh, and then the last game I played was... Um, I took a punt, um, <clears throat> because I am terrible with uh, survival horror games, especially first-person survival horror games. Um, but I'd heard that Soma is... Supposed to be really good uh, and has uh, supposed to have an incredible storyline, and then I noticed on the PlayStation sale that it was like eighty something percent off. It was down from twenty five pounds to four pound and nine pence. I think it was less than a fiver. Wow! So. I picked that up. Um, it's by the developers of um, Amnesia: The Dark Descent. I think that's what the first one was called, because they didn't make the second one, A Machine for Pigs. That was um, a separate studio, and whilst they were doing that, the main studio was concentrating on Soma. Um, it's so you play this guy. I can't remember his name. He's a very sort of like blank character. There's not a lot to him. Um, in a modern day world he's been involved in a car accident and has um, had some brain trauma and he uh, agrees to take part in like an experimental brain scan to see if they can find out what's wrong with him he goes to the place where the brain scan's going to be it happens then, there's like, then the character blacks out and wakes up in some crazy underwater facility and you have absolutely no idea what's going on and everybody's dead um uh, well, I haven't actually met any real people uh, and there's these weird creatures that are stalking you, um, you have absolutely no way of fighting back so if you come across one of them you have to have to hide or run away uh, it's really really creepy uh, and I'm struggling through it so far because I'm terrible with this sort of game, I managed about 15 minutes of Outlast I've gotten, I, I tried and failed <laughs> to play Alien Isolation and couldn't do it because the game terrified me um but there's something about what's like I, I, I want to know what's going on in the storyline uh, and I've heard that it gets really really good towards the end so th- that little lure is is pulling me through um, so yeah, I'm about two hours into that um, and I think you know, the game's only about nine or ten hours long so I think I can actually finish this, this will be the first survival horror game I've finished since Resident Evil 4 um, which is a big, big <laughs> thing for me because I'm
1: a, I'm a massive wimp, but um, I have to say I'm the same as you, Mark. I've I've got Alien Isolation. I've got Dead Space. Mm-hmm. And I've got. <laughs> I can't play. No, <laughs> I get so far and I'm just like that. No.
3: I'm too scared to play Alien Isolation yeah. I am actually frightened
1: it,
2: a It's a scary game I and I, I thought I would be really into that because Alien is one of my favourite games and it's like the most Ooh. faithful recreation of that sort of like aesthetic I've ever seen in an Alien game but even that wasn't enough but so there's something about the storyline mm. in Soma that's, that keeps
0: pulling me yeah. through um, so I'm gonna keep chipping away at
2: that and um, yeah I'll say a little bit more about that once I finished it.
0: So I'm fine with horror games, but with I isolation I could only play a level at a time because it took so long to actually get through each level so an mm-hmm. hour and a half two hours and by the end of it you were like I can't, I can't go anymore, I can't do anymore so it took a long time for me to even me to complete just a wave. that's one of the that's one of the criticisms a lot of people level at that game it's one of the reasons
2: knowing knowing how long it is that I didn't mm. that I can't be bothered to play through it all because it's supposed to be about 20 hours yeah. long which is far too long for that sort of game but same as about it's supposed to be about I looked up on them um, how how long to beat dot com and it's like nine to ten hours to finish the main game um a little bit more if you're hunting for all the secrets and things like that, which I might actually do because the story is so so mysterious but so compelling. Um, but yeah, I don't know how long it's on sale for, but if you want to try a first-person survival horror game from a studio that are incredibly good at doing that by all accounts, then Soma is less than a fiver. so yeah, I it, it
0: up. Yourself.
2: Yeah.
1: I, I had an extremely embarrassing moment at Eurogamer Gamer when they had alien isolation there a couple of years ago um and the guys took me in and i was stood up playing it and my mate was filming over my shoulder i was asking the guy a few questions you know and he went, i'll leave you to play the game so he put the headphones on and cranked it up <laughs> and i think it's the bit you know where the aliens hunting you um i think it was an additional mode to the the game when it was released and um i was crawling along this this uh bit in the game and then suddenly this vent just <laughs> shut out all this steam absolutely shit myself and dropped the controller on the floor that's <laughs> <laughs> to I like, compose myself and carry on so I could carry on with the interview <laughs> yeah I think Not the finest, I got up to a
2: point where um, I wasn't that long into it I was about two hours into the game and uh, the alien had only just started to really show up and I was trying to deal with those I can't what the robots are called in um, Alien Isolation but I'd managed to sneak past a bunch of those um, and then i started being hunted by the alien and I got to a bit where it came into the room where I was but I was hiding in a locker <laughs> and it came up to the locker and you know there's that mechanic where you can like push a breath. button to make a yeah to like lean back and hold a breath but it didn't leave it was sniffing around for so long that she had to gasp for breath and then it heard and pulled me out of the locker and killed me and I was <laughs> like nope nope that's it I'm done I've had enough of this, <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm. Soma is a little bit more manageable. Um, from people who I've spoken to who've played Amnesia, uh, they say it's not as scary as Amnesia, which is it's good. But it's still, it's it's just over the borderline of what is acceptably scary for me. Uh, so if it wasn't for the storyline, I don't think I'd be playing through it. But um, I'm enjoying it so far. Uh, it's got a very uh, Bioshock 1 aesthetic as well because it's all based on this sort of underwater facility. Um, it's a very pretty game as well. Um, yeah. five Less than £5 pounds on the PlayStation Store at the moment. Pick it up.
1: This week's uh, Lunch Hour Game of the Week um, is the uh, new game that's just come out on iOS and Android and it's uh, Batman Arkham Underworld. Uh, I downloaded this and um, probably about a week ago. I've not put an awful lot of time into it, um, but it's a, a Batman game similar uh, to the other uh, d- d- defense building games, if I can get my words out, um, with the, a Batman twist. Um, it's made by uh, Turbine, who have done a, a few other uh, little games like that. Um, and basically you have an overruling uh, villain. Uh, so you start off with Joker and you have your own little base. And as you level up you get to um, unlock different parts to the building Um, so you start off with your main uh, his headquarters um, and a garage and then a little lounge for your villains to to hang out in and then you get a lab which will then help you upgrade some of uh, the Joker's uh, powers some of your guys guns um, and then you also get to extend your garage as well so you can take out more villains uh, when you go to take out other people's bases uh, and basically in the game you've got another map that you go to and you'll select a, a mission that you've got and then you have to just scout out the area first to see where you need to go uh, and they've, they've twisted a few little bits up uh, so this time uh, if you're staking out a bank for example there might be a side entrance in where you can skip some of the guards at the start and then get straight to where the money is and and get out and once you've completed that main objective you don't have to go around and and kill everything Uh, once you get to a high enough level you can actually invade other people's um, villain headquarters uh, which is quite nice and you get to upgrade your headquarters with a an arcade machine which gives you uh, your your villains happiness and there's a few other bits that give you money um, and there's another one that gives you more respect as well from from around the uh, the game itself which obviously increases your your level in all these games um, and you also get to unlock other uh, villains, which have different abilities and allow you to do different missions. So quite early on, you unlock Harley Quinn, She has some slightly different abilities and allow you to do uh, a different missions. So I've probably played about an hour of it, um, which for some people is a lunch hour. Mm. Uh, and it's it's good fun. It's it, it's really good. I'm enjoying it. It came out last week, I think. Is it a free game? Sorry, yes, it is. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, There is a, a paid version to it. Uh, to, to buy more diamonds but the beauty of it is is in a lot of the places that you attack there's a safe so as long as you don't so there's bits where you have to go into like a museum you have to destroy um two or three main uh artifacts or whatever in there or, or, or steal them and um, but sometimes there's a safe as well and if you attack the safe you actually get all the diamonds out of it as well so you probably could go through it at the minute i've not paid a penny towards it and um, you, so you could probably could go through it without spending any money I'm sure those vaults will deplete over time uh, but it's a good little game just to, something different on the uh, the defence games
2: hmm. I'll have to check that one out then I've been looking for a new mobile game to play although um, I think it's for the entirety of this week so it'll probably be not on sale by the time this episode comes out but Carcassonne is is it 10 pence on the Android store? yeah yeah so yeah, I'm going to pick that up as well. But yeah, I'll have to have give this a little bit of a download because I haven't had a decent mobile game uh, to play on my lunch break for a while. I'm not going to start carting the Gear VR to work and sitting in yeah. the lunch room with the VR headset on got, like a
1: right tit. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely worth a pick up. It's, uh, it's good fun. Um, like I said, I've not really put an awful lot of time into it, but uh, it's good what I've played so hmm. far. Cool.
0: Okay, so moving on to the news. Board game Kickstarters have raised six times more money than video games this year. Um, according to Polygon, um, while the numbers are sharply down for video games and crowdfunding platform Kickstarter, board game projects are hitting an all-time high, both for dollars raised and sheer volume of successful projects. UK-based ICO Partners released a summary of Kickstarter data through the first half of 2016. Um, they say the absence of a couple of big projects on Kickstarter so far this year is a major reason for the partial decline. Meanwhile, board games continue to put up impressive numbers, physical tabletop games have raised 6 times more money than video games over the same 6 month period and 4 times more projects were funded. It puts the board gaming category on track for a record year. It seems like there is a healthy relationship between videos, projects and crowdfunding that is not be as natural or as elegant as video games. ICO concludes. Ironically this year's most successful board game campaign which brought in more than five point four million dollars was based on the video game Dark Souls, which is expected to ship next year.
1: It'll probably be the hardest board game you've ever played in your life as well. <laughs> yep. It'll probably be round dice or something that you've gotta try and land on a one or something stupid. I don't know, you haven't played
3: you haven't played Monopoly <laughs> have played with my wife. Oh, yeah. I played it. <laughs> no, stuff. Monopoly's
0: just cruel. I just think this is partly due to the fact there's a lot of... I mean, we just mm-hmm. had Lighting, Number 9 coming out with a bit of a fiasco. And what was it? There was a certain oh, thing God. with... What's that? Star <clears throat> Citizen, which has got... Star Citizen just lurches nerd. from one
2: controversy to another.
0: And... Yeah. And what I found, is I've backed a number of board games, that, and i backed one or two video games, that... Board games have rest less, less controversial items. They seem to give you more. They seem to follow a timetable more closely, and they talk to people more. Whereas video games, what I've seen and what you know around, they just don't seem to be able to follow that same level of communication or timetable.
1: I think for me, watching there's been several programs on board games and whatnot of people trying to. Get these things into production and I think for a board game you can physically see what you're going to get and it's fairly easy to send it to random places in overseas where they can mass produce these items that you want and they've probably already got these people teed up if they hit their targets and then once that's it you hit the go button and off you go whereas with a game a video game it's a lot harder because you could do a trailer probably the four of us could do a trailer and a concept for a game and put it on kickstarter but then actually when people sit down and think about it i think it's a lot harder than what they first thought and it's going to cost a lot more money and i think kickstarter take a, a chunk of the money as well don't they and you have to pay tax and i think with a, with a board game or something physical it's easier
3: you you can knock up you can knock up a prototype board game that is essentially exactly what you will take to market yeah for you know a a very small amount in the grand scheme of things you cannot do that with a video game
2: no
3: and that's and that's part of it it's kind of you you sell things visually and if you can see the actual finished product people have more confidence in
2: well it. even the finished yeah. product it's got to be a hell of a lot Cheaper to produce a board game, well, not maybe not to actually manufacture, but to actually get to a finished point with a board game than it is with a video game.
3: Yeah, you could realistically get it to that point with your own funds and then kickstart for for the full production.
0: Yeah, yeah. that's what you that's what you tend to find. I think it's more to do with the fact that you know when sits and the Herds change their rules now for refunds to make it harder for you to get refunds. It's just shitty things like that that you get from you seem to get from video games and maybe the press pick it up more when what board games do in general I'm not saying every single video game Kickstarter's you know a con artist or trying to change things it just seems to be more that you know they get more money they seem to want oh we'll add this feature this feature and they don't seem to take into account well it's going to take you a few months if you add I think
3: that's that's the two issues isn't it yeah. two, people have over promised and under delivered and feature creep
2: mm.
0: Mm.
2: yeah absolutely especially with something like Star Citizen which was probably too much of an ambitious project to, to kickstart in the first place but a board game is far more manageable
1: didn't I read somewhere that I don't know what it was for but someone with Star Citizen got a £2,500 compensation for something to do with the game I'll have to yeah. look it up um, they did yeah. pop it on the the, uh, the Facebook feed I think it was on Eurogamer don't know what it was but it's, it's stuff like that where obviously he was that dissatisfied that he's made a, a complaint or probably more severe than that and he's he's got a compensation out of it
0: yeah, uh, yeah but he had to go through a number of law courts I think he had to get a fair American Chief Justice or something involved oh okay it, I, it was real it was on the Gameverse news it was a real headache for him to just to get this Amount of money because they changed the rules. Basically, made it harder for people to get the money out. This week in Warhammer Corner, we have a new playable race released for Total Warhammer. Or Total War Warhammer? It should be Total Warhammer. So, yeah, it should be. We're <laughs> just gonna start calling it Total Warhammer. Total Warhammer gets a new playable race. The Beastmen as its next campaign pack launches at the end of this month on the 28th and it will cost you the Prince's sum of $13.99. Call of the Beastmen is the game's first substantial expansion, introducing the new race into the grand campaign as well as adding a new story campaign called an Eye for an Eye. Beastmen are known as the Cloven Ones, they're big, they're hairy and they usually have horns, they're loud, they're smelly as well and they usually don't like humans very much. Gameplay-wise, it looks like they'll place the same to the Horde Factions, preferring to sack and race settlements rather than claim territory for themselves. And developer Creative Assembly have said they feature an array of unique gameplay mechanics, including the ability to travel through overgrown beast paths to outmaneuver unsuspecting foes. And through a dark bond with Morris Lib, the Chaos Moon performed twisted acts of faith to gain its favour. It won't mean anything to you. Basically, they're <laughs> worshipping the Chaos Moon to get more power. What does that mean? It means <laughs> the moon, the worship of the moon to get more power. Essentially, that's what it is. Okay, Thanks. fair enough. <laughs> I am a bit of a Warhammer mm. geek. you know, so. Yeah, I, I feel well out of my I don't dirt. understand anything about <laughs> Warhammer lore at all,
2: I'm afraid.
1: I do a little
0: bit. Um, but also, yeah, it's good. But alongside that, you're also going to get a free update which introduces Amber Wizards to the Empire roster. And I won't go into wizards and different strands of magic. No, please don't. Do <laughs> they come from the moon? <laughs> if you do, if you want to, I can do. No, but don't move to the moon, V. They... It, you know, it's complicated. You'll have to do like the, a uh,
2: Warhammer for beginners video for the YouTube channel or something. <laughs> so you can explain to Luddites like
3: myself. Just, oh, just something, just really quick paste and really, really fast cut edits. Just so it's yeah. a complete mind. <laughs> oh, It'll be brilliant.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not, I've worked there as well. It's just a very strange place to work. <laughs> have you? Yeah, I worked at Warhammer World for a bit. Oh, in their right. the IT department oh
3: wow so, yeah it's very weird <laughs> do, they, do they name their servers after characters or, or factions uh,
1: yes yeah really?
3: yeah because I, uh, I was at the University of Hull for quite a few years and um, their servers are all named after Star Wars characters <laughs> so you'd, you'd be like logging on to Vader <laughs> it's like nothing felt cooler
2: Uh, this week in Overwatch news, we've got a new character coming, and there's been some balance changes. Uh, so, Overwatch is getting its first new character since the release. Uh, we're getting a support sniper called Anna Amari. Uh, in the lore of Overwatch, for any people like myself who actually care about the lore, uh, Anna is the mother of Pharah, who's the sort of Egyptian rocket trooper from the original 21 characters. Uh, She was a member of the original Overwatch unit during the war against the uh, Omnics, and at some point uh, she was shot by Widowmaker and was believed to be dead. Uh, But now she's back to wreak havoc and hopefully add some balance to those teams plagued by the old three snipers but no support problem that seems to be rampant in Overwatch if you're playing with randoms. Anna's sniper rifle uh, shots they will either heal friendly players if you shoot them or deal like ongoing damage against enemies sort of like a poison or a drain attack uh, one of her abilities is a biotic grenade that can heal friendly players or damage enemy players and her other ability is a sleep dart that can instantly paralyze an enemy player for a few seconds and can even cancel their ultimate which is pretty handy um, for people who have wake up in cold sweats in the middle of the night hearing reaper say die 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 um Anna's ultimate applies a buff to any uh, friendly player that will massively increase their damage, health, and speed for a short time. So, that's really helpful for sort of like melee based characters. So, uh, you can put that buff on a Genji before he jumps in and drops his ultimate or. Uh, as they showed in the, 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 the character reveal uh, trailer, um, drop it on a Reinhardt and then you can just go in and start swinging his hammer with wanton abandon and have much fun. Um, additionally, Blizzard are also making some balance changes to existing characters. Um, they've made quite a few. I'll run through them quickly. Uh, self-healing abilities now charge your ultimate abilities, so as a result, some heroes who can self-heal have had their ultimate costs uh, adjusted Uh, Bastion Lucio and Soldier 76 have all had their ultimate cost increased by 10% Roadhog's uh, ultimate cost has been increased by a whopping 45% and Mercy's has gone up by 30% and her damage buff won't stack if you've got more than one Mercy Uh, but her movement uh, is no longer prevented while she's using her ultimate and the Guardian Angel abilities that that means she can zip in and out has has now instantly reset so she can go in and get out really quickly without getting killed. Um, Diva's abilities have undergone some changes. Her defense matrix is now not just like turn on and it'll be there for a few seconds. It now operates like Pharaoh's jetpack so it uses a resource meter uh, that will drain the longer you use it. Uh, cooldown is reduced from 10 seconds to 1 second and it will last for 4 seconds with a full charge. Uh, her self-destruct ultimate cost has been de- uh, decreased by uh, 15%. And the countdown uh, timer has been cut from four seconds to three seconds, which means that not only will Diva get her ultimate more often, that but when it flies in, you'll have less time to get away from it. And uh, the blast will also no longer damage Diva. So if you're playing as the Diva and have to dump it and then run away uh, to to avoid getting killed by your own ultimate, uh, Zenyatta has undergone a few changes. His shield health has been increased by 50 points to 150, so now he's got 200 health, which means that he won't get one-shotted by most enemies in the game. Uh, His Orbs of Discord and Harmony have had their speeds increase from 30 to 120, which is a massive increase. Uh, And Transcendence uh, Ultimate now heals for 300 points per second instead of 200, and he can actually move really, really fast while using it now. And aside from that, there's just been a few little changes uh, to uh, Zenyatta, McCree and Soldier 76 have had tweaks to their weapon damage, range and spread respectively. Um, so, yeah, some, some interesting little balance tweaks there that sort of hopefully fix a few issues that the, the game's already got. Um, that's on top of what we we talked about recently. Uh, Torbjorn's turrets are getting a uh, 30% damage uh, nerf on console because they're just unbearable on console at the moment. But, yeah, Blizzard moving in the right direction with, with that game. I'm very happy with
1: that. I, I hope they've not lowered D.Va's stuff too much. They haven't. No, that the, the, uh, just... that's what I mean, D.Va's got a buff. No, for the
2: self-destruct, that it's it's been decreased. No, the, the cost, the the, the uh, her cost has been decreased by fifty uh, by fifteen percent, which means that the ultimate charge will will charge up quicker than it did before. And then it also blows up. It blows quick. up quicker, and it also um, won't yeah, kill her uh, if she's yeah. caught in the blast, which means that she's actually become a little bit more lethal because as it was. At the moment, Diva was a very sort of situational character. She was a little bit too squishy for a tank, and her ultimate took forever to charge. And then the four second countdown meant that usually you dump in a group of enemies and they had enough time to scarf her. Uh, but now they won't trope. So she's yeah, actually more useful so. now.
3: So, our final news story today uh, have you ever wanted to kill Gary Busey? Repeatedly. Well, this is the news for you. Actor Gary Busey is going to be Hitman's next elusive target. Really. Um, So he's going to come to the game as the result of an online campaign called Choose Your Hit, where fans could vote either for Gary Busey or Gary Cole, and Busey has won. As a result, he's going to be arriving in Hitman's elusive target for seven days, beginning on July 21st. Um, seven days is much longer than the normal elusive target window, though it remains to be seen why the duration has been extended. Uh, probably because uh, they're hoping it's going to sell systems. Uh, yeah. Whatever. <laughs> That's my cat's just running full pelt. Whatever the case, Bucy will be located in the Sapienza location, so uh, you're going to need to own that DLC in order to kill Bucy within the allotted 168 hours. Uh, He officially arrives in the game at 5am pacific time or 8am eastern standard time as part of a mission called the wild card on the 21st of July and you can find the contract from the elusive target tile in the games featured hub. As with the previous six elusive targets, you must kill Busey within the time limit, or you'll never have another chance. There are general rewards for completing elusive targets, but Square Enix did not say if there'll be anything specific to the Busey contract. During a recent interview with GameSpot, lead online designer Torbin Ellerst suggested that future elusive targets could be more challenging than those we've seen so far. He said, we really want the first couple at least to be quite approachable experiences because it's really important that we make it clear that these are not impossible missions. Yes, they're tense because if you screw up, you're finished, but they're totally doable. I think we need to keep that for the next couple, but as we go down the line, we'll improve on their perceptiveness where it makes narrative sense. So what he's saying basically is if, like me, you've screwed up a load of them, you've got no hope.
1: Yep. But I'm really yeah.
3: looking forward to, to having a go at killing Gary Busey. I mean, his performance <laughs> as Mr. Krill in Under Siege was enough.
1: Yeah. You never know. Sorry, you might Commander Commander have Commander uh, Krill. You might have Casey Ryback guarding him or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you might get a Riggs
0: costume. Uh, you never know. You never know. <laughs> yeah. the, the, the
1: weird thing for me was that um, I like was we saying before the show that uh, a couple of us were fortunate enough to be on the, the press release and things for this game, and I didn't hear anything about a vote for either guy um, so I don't know where they announced that, uh, which is very bizarre, That although they're saying you could vote for it, but I can't remember seeing it at all not in an email or anything from the usual methods, which is strange. I've had the game
3: since launch and it completely passed me by if I'm honest. Yeah, you would
1: have thought there'd have been something on the screen for the actual game as well you could have just cast your vote on there but very strange. Yeah, I really, I hope he's
2: actually recorded some voice lines for it as well. Because <laughs> it's one of the complaints I've got about the, one of the few complaints I've got about um, the uh, about this Hitman game is the voice acting. Not only is the voice acting a little bit weak, but um, why is everybody in Sapienza and Paris and Marrakesh? Why do they all have American accents?
1: Because it costs money to get other people to put accents on, <laughs>
2: yeah, but they don't even try to like do a fake French accent or, or uh, a Italian accent or whatever. It's it's a little bit odd, but yeah, um, it's this is really odd. I know Gary Busey's probably not doing a lot of these days, but <laughs>
1: yeah, it's totally and sell that bizarre, turn.
3: and it makes you it makes you wonder what other celebrity cameos are going to appear. I'm hoping yeah. Keith Chegwin. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Timmy Mallet.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: oh, maybe they, we could have like an online petition for people that people really don't like. Jimmy we to the game? Yeah. Oh, oh, oh easy. No, that's a bit. Too Are we much, talking? But...
3: we talking zombies mode.
2: Yeah. But yeah. Now I'm hoping for a DLC pack that includes Piers Morgan and Nigel Farage and people like that. Donald Trump. Donald oh, okay. Trump. Yeah. I'd pay good money for that. Yeah.
3: <laughs>
0: yeah. Boris. <laughs> Yeah, Boris Boris Johnson, Johnson. Michael Gove,
2: assassinate the foreign secretary. Oh my god, it pains me to say that foreign secretary Boris Johnson. Perhaps perhaps
3: that's the kind of thing you shouldn't say on a on a podcast. Yeah, could have have been assassinate the foreign secretary. (laughs) Uh, Hi GCHQ, if you're listening.
1: Yeah, hello we've got nothing bad to listen to no. bang on about computer games So <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs>
2: so we've still got our uh, game giveaway promotion going we've got 50 plus games in total to give away on steam and all you need to do if you want one uh, or a couple is to go to the google doc link uh, in the show notes that will be on the uh, podbean uh, link and also in the blog and uh, just put your twitter handle or your email address uh, beside any of the game uh, or games that you want within reason um want to be fair to all of our listeners so don't be too greedy uh, it's on a first come first serve basis and we'll send the links out about once a week via Twitter uh, DM or via email depending on which handle you put on there. Um, we hope to keep this as going as a, a long running thing throughout the year and we'll add more codes when we get them. Uh, if you've got any uh, duplicate codes or any codes you wish to donate then uh, we'll happily pass them on to other listeners uh, and give appropriate shout-outs of course so just send us an email or DM us uh, at LapsedGamer on Twitter and we'll get this added to the list. Um, has anyone got any shout outs? Well I hear this this excellent this excellent podcast
3: called the Codec Call. Uh, <laughs> which is the, the podcast of codecmoments.com. Uh yeah, that's about it. Where did you where did you hear about that? Do you know? I think I read about it in the
2: Scottish Sun. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it, Cullen! <laughs> Yeah, check out Code at Moments. It's a great podcast. Uh, just a quick reminder that our next playlist game is The Wolf Among Us, so we're getting that recorded week. in the next yeah next week. So um, by the time you hear this, we'll be recording it in a, a couple of days from when this this episode drops. So uh, if you've uh, played through The Wolf Among Us, uh, then uh, let us know your thoughts. So you can send us an email or uh, post your thoughts on our Facebook page or, or send us a Twitter DM. Um, so let us know what you think about the game, we'll get those read out on the show. Uh, we're also going to be covering, at some point in the near future, the first few issues of the Fables comics as well, uh, so if you've read those, or, or plan on reading those, then, uh, then, then get them read and, and let us know your thoughts. Uh, as always, uh, you can get in contact with us through a variety of different means. You can send us questions, suggestions of new segments you'd like us to start doing. Uh, let us know what we're doing already that you like or don't like, or anything else you'd like us to read out on the show. Uh, you can email uh, lapsedgamerradio.gmail.com. You can visit our LGR blog, which is now at lapsedgamer.com. No no, pod, no uh, um, blog spot address. We've actually got a proper website, like proper grown-ups. Um, you can visit the LGR Twitter feed at Lapsed Gamer Uh, you can like our Lapsed Gamer Radio uh, Facebook page and add yourself to the LGR Community Facebook group Uh, you can find all of our podcast episodes to stream and mp3 download at our Podbean web address which is lapsedgamerradio.podbean.com also please be so kind as to subscribe and review Lapsed Gamer Radio on iTunes Uh, you can check out the Lapsed Gamer YouTube channel for additional content I will be uploading a video probably um, in the next week or so of my attempts to take out Gary Busey and Hitman and um, <laughs> shortly I will start, I've been promising this for weeks but I will shortly start the uh, Lapsed Gamer Radio Space Program videos from Ker- Kerbal Space Program and also look out in the not too distant future uh, me and Ali are going to do a, uh, a video about uh, Overwatch as well because we love that game yep Um Remember, do let us know if you'd like to be on a future episode with us. Um, And I guess all that's left to be said is thanks for listening and goodbye. Bye. Bye -bye. Bye. Cool. All done. All done.